0: Mark 13, if you will, Mark 13, and we are going to uh, get back in here in, in verse 9 to 13 and get these details down. Um, again, we're in the second Olivet, the, the last Olivet discourse here. Uh, the Lord has the apostles. He's up on Mount of Olives. We're two days before the cross, and uh, the the Discourse here, actually, it's a great prophetic picture, a great foreview of what's coming their way, and he's preparing them to go through the tribulation and into the seventieth week of Daniel, and and again, (laughs) we'll notice this evening why, like verse fourteen, but when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let them be that be in Judea, flee to the mountains. There's a real big reason why he doesn't give the start of the 70th week. That event in verse 14 is middle of the week, in the midst of the week. And we'll see that as we go here. Why, there, again, he does, Mark is not interested in all of the details. Uh, Matthew will give more. He Actually, uh, two whole chapters of it. Luke gives a little bit here. But Matthew 13, he's talking, he's focusing in on what they're going to be doing as the servants. Here's what they're going to do. And and really what happens is this passage, notice verse 13, when ye, see he's talking to the apostles right there in time. He's talking to them as if they are going to go right on into the trib and into the 70th week. He doesn't talk to them like there's going to be an interruption of 2,000 years or more of the dispensation of grace. Again, he's looked right over across the timeline, the dispensational. He he looks right past the dispensation of grace, looks right into the 70th week here, and he's going to give them information. So the, the Lord, the 12... The little flock, they are not in any shape, way, or form thinking about, considering to be part of the dispensation of grace, part of the body, or any of that. They are just looking at their, their program, the program of prophecy. So when we look here in verse 9, But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings. For my sake, for a testimony against them, and the gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. Neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father, the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And again, Mark is interested in what the Lord is telling them here and what's going to happen to them. Again, back up at the end of verse 7. Or Well, verse 7, and when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be. And that issue of the deception, the, the, the Antichrist is coming in, there's that deception policy, and here's what is going to happen during, in, in, in all of that. Now, verse 9 to 13 is not found in Matthew 24 and 25 or in Luke 21, but it is found in Matthew 10. So run over to Matthew 10, okay? And it's important to catch what Mark is doing. Mark inserts here what the Lord tells them in the Great Commission, which is Matthew 10, okay? And it's important to see why Mark is doing what he's doing and, and what's happening. The, these things in, in verse 9 to 13, they are part of the original Great Commission. Now, I know, you know, I know what religion does, a Great Commission, and they run over to Matthew 28, and they run to Mark 16, and they run to Luke 24 and Acts 1. They skip John because they don't like John. The Catholics like John because it gives them power to forgive sins. Christians don't because they don't think you ought to have that power to forgive sins. Only the Lord can do that. So they play this big old yabba yabba do game, and none of that is the Great Commission. Okay, actually, historically, the Great Commission doesn't come about till the late eighteen hundreds, with Hudson Taylor and uh, uh, what's the guy Johnson, the, the great missionaries. And they were on the foreign field, and they're coming, they come back to the Americas, and they're trying to raise money. So they pulled out Matthew 28 and say, see, go, Luke, or Mark, preach, Luke, baptize them, for the remittance of sin. And all. So they started playing the word game, because when you look at the ancients of the fathers, and you look at the old text, they don't, they never. there's no, nothing in there about a great commission until the 1800s, and it's a, it's a uh, marketing ploy to raise money. So anyway, in Matthew 10, okay, you have the, 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 the Lord in the earthly ministry. Uh, just notice real quick, Mark 13:9. i uh, just going to look between them. He says, "...but take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils and in the synagogues. You shall be beaten." and ye shall be brought before rulers and the kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. Now look at Matthew 10, look at verse 17. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. See how that's, that's, a, that's almost word for word, almost. Mark reaches in and picks up the instructions from Matthew 10. Because Mark, the servant, here's what the servants are going to be doing. They're going to be obeying the instructions from the master. Okay. The commission in Matthew 10, it's the whole commission. Notice it starts, verse 1, "...and when he had called unto him his twelve disciples..." He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. So now we have apostles. So we name them, verse 5, these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles and, enter, and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the commission starts from day one of the earthly ministry. And if you look over at verse 23, but when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. So now that it's going to take them all the way out to the second coming and going into the kingdom. So the commission here, by the way, if you look there, verse 19. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye should shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak, for it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you, and the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father, the children, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death, and ye shall be hated for uh, of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So it begins in the beginning of the earthly ministry, and it's going to go all the way out to the end, and what's happening in between the two points is what is going to be happening to them in the tribulation going into the 70th week. And that's what Mark picks up on. Go back there to Mark 13. Again, verse 11 in verse 12, there's the same information as Matthew 10. Okay, verse 14. By the way, uh, uh, Mark ten 11, I'm sorry, Mark 13, 11. <laughs> But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak but the Holy Ghost. And you see then verse 12, the brother, verse 13, you're going to endure to the end, shall be saved. The context of the timeline, verse 14, is the 70th week of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. Okay, So Matthew 10, way back over there in the beginning, when he gives it to them, he's looking all the way out to the future where they're going to have issues, and he moves the timeline out to the second death, I'm sorry, the second coming, and he's looking for Christ's return, and here they are. And again, verse 14, but when ye these men listening to the Lord, as he's teaching them this, and as he's re certified, re-getting it back into their thinking, they are expecting all of this, all they're expecting to to all this to happen in their lifetime. They are not expecting to have a 2,000-plus-year interruption, Paul, the Gentile salvation, going to the Gentile, none of that. They're expecting to go into the tribulation, which is verse 7, the wars and rumors of wars and so forth. that got to happen. And they're expecting to go into the 70th week of Daniel with the Antichrist. So this is not the dispensation of grace. This is, we, they get a picture of it there in the early chapters of Acts, Acts 1-7, to that year there. They, they, they get a look into this, but they are not looking to go into the DOG. They're just, they're not. They had been taught, they're expecting this, this as the prophetic last days, and they're looking to go into that. So it is very clear here. It's clear in Matthew. You know, I was, I'm studying for the California meeting and was looking at some things and looking at for the theme of, of our, this year's going to be the Grace Reset. And I've been looking into that and, th- and thinking about it and studying. And, and you know, it's amazing to me when you say to people, look at the verse and they go, wow, I've never seen it. That verse has been there for a long time. In the English language, since 1611. It's been there, okay? But what's the failure? We fail to what? Read. So that question, the too great time, Paul says, what saith the scripture? What does the Lord say? Have you not read? You do err, not knowing the script. It's right here. And So what do you got to do? You got to get rid of your agenda, which is what the religious crowd has, and you come in and you... Get into it. So we're going to pick up verse 9, just kind of work down through the details here. Just catch, these guys aren't looking, they are anticipating going into the trib, going into the 70th week of Daniel, okay? Now I'm saying it separate like that for a reason. We normally just call the 70th week the tribulation, and that's fine. But I want you to catch there. He just told us, verse 7, be the end shall not be yet. The end of verse eight. These are the beginning of sorrows. So that tribulation is it's underway. Roman or Daniel nine. Next week we'll get into Daniel 9 a little bit because of verse 14. If we get through to there, <laughs> we should. But the thing is, is what's happening is is we're at Daniel 9, and in before verse 27, which is the 70th week start, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's gotta happen that the dispensation of grace interrupted. And it hasn't happened yet. Okay, so he says, verse 9, but take heed, now watch, to yourselves. That's important. He's talking to them, verse 5, he says, take heed lest any man deceive you. He's talking to them about watching out for yourself. Okay, okay. Not watch for him coming to come. You see, these guys, he's not telling them, watch for my coming. And he says, you need to pay attention to yourself because of the deception that's coming your way. And that deception is going to come in and say, you see the wars and the rumors of wars? The end is here. And he's like, that isn't the end, guys. Look down at verse 20. And except that the Lord had shortened these days... No flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then if any man shall say to you, lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed. Behold, I have foretold you all things. Again, he's not saying, keep your eyes on the heavens and look for me. He's like, No, guys, you need to take care because of the seduction policy here. You need to, verse 9, take heed to yourselves. There's a policy of evil coming toward you, and it's and it's in the signs and the wonders, and it's using Israel's program. And it's designed to pull the believing remnant, pull the nation away from and into that lie program. And literally, when the Lord in Isaiah, when he says, I'm going to use the Antichrist as a rod of my indignation, and we're going to sift out the rebel, and we're going to get rid of the dross, he's literally taking the nation of Israel and putting it through the sifter. And shaking it loose. That's why that stuff in 2 Thessalonians 2 is nothing about us. It's about what he's doing with them. Because what's he doing? Separating the unbelieving, the apostate, from the believer. So take heed. Don't fall for it, guys. Verse 9, be careful, for they shall deliver you up to councils. And in the synagogues you shall be beaten and you shall be brought Before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. Tough times are coming. Okay? Now watch verse 10, because 10 helps you understand verse 9. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. So, in the context of them preaching the gospel of the kingdom, come over to Matthew 24. So, we'll get some information here out of Matthew 24. When they go out there and they are preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They're going to go out there, they're going to preach that message to the Gentiles, but they're going to be over here preaching that to to, uh, Israel to get some of them to believe and join. Okay? Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. You see that? What gospel are they preaching? Not Christ died for your sins, but what? The Savior there, the kingdom is coming, guys. Repent. Get baptized. The remissions of sins, it's all coming. Here it comes. So they're going to be preaching, go back there to Mark 13, the kingdom of God. That they're going to be preaching it. They're going to be publishing it among all the nations. And when they do that, there is a persecution verse 9 associated with it. And real persecution, nothing like what we think about today. You know, us lazy Americans, we got it pretty easy. All right? Even though things we think things are getting bad, but when you back up and you go around the world, we got it on easy street right now still, okay? These guys won't have that. So there's, a per- there's real danger when they begin to preach the gospel. When they begin to preach the gospel, what are they gonna, what's going to happen to them? They're going to get dragged in front of the governmental officials, the leaders of Israel, and it's going to behead them? Throw them in jail. It's tough days, but they're going to be doing it. Now, what helps in understanding that is that issue in verse 10 about the gospel must first be published. Okay? Now, when you think about publish, you think about a printed book. Okay? Now, today, you got your Kindles, you got your laptop. That's not what he's talking about because that's here today, gone tomorrow. This is here all the time. You think about a track. It's published. It's printed. You know it never apostates. It never leaves you. It it never decides, nope, I don't believe that today. It's what? It always says the same thing, the printed word. So in Scripture, uh, come back to Nehemiah, and just notice this, uh, Nehemiah 8. So in Scripture... By the way, the word "published" fascinating word in the King James Bible, and it's fasc- I I, you know, I understand what happens. People get all upset about, you know, saying, "Well, let the Bible define itself," but I tell you what: if if you're gonna if you're gonna make a distinction in words, as they're as they're being used in Scripture. The best way to understand the use of the word is how they're used in Scripture, not out of a dictionary. A dictionary will define the word in a certain way. You you got the denotation and you got the connotation of the way the word's used. But when you come into Scripture, words get used a very specific way because they have a, a purpose. And that issue of, of publish, to make public, the issue of it's a more permanent form than just verbally telling the story. It's permanent. It's, they're doing uh, Nehemiah 8. Did I tell you that? Okay, i got to get there. It's more than just talking about it and telling them. They're putting it in a more permanent form where people can get it keep it and have it again a track it's, it never changes it never gets sick it never says i don't want to go because i want to watch the ball game it does it goes out and does it's a great missionary it really is it just it's always there now look at nehemiah 8 and verse 14 And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of of the seven months. Okay? So they found the word. They they found it in God's word what, what they're to do. Now watch verse 15. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying... Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths, now watch, as it is written. Isn't that interesting? They're, they're going to proclaim it. They're going to make it known openly, but they're also going to do what? Publish it. They're, now, again, Now you can read that two ways. I'm going to make it known publicly, verbally, and then I'm going to publish it in writing. Or you could say, publish is to what? Proclaim it. Either way is okay. There's not a right or wrong there. The thing is, is the, the production. They're going, to, they're going to proclaim it. They're going to make it known openly. So, But it's also going to be what? Permanently fixed, Done. And you can't lose it. You can't erase it. A more permanent form. Why? The end of verse 15. As it is written. They've published it in a more permanent medium than just crier in the town center saying, hear, hear, hear ye, hear ye. You follow that? That's what they're doing. Come over to Esther, chapter 1. Esther, chapter 1. This this is an even more impressive use of the word publish, okay? Because what this is doing is helping us understand what the little flock's going to be doing in Mark 13 in the tribulation, what, what they're doing that's got them in so much trouble and hot water. Esther 1, verse 20. And when the king's decree, which he shall make shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great. All the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. Okay, so the king, he's got a decree, and it's going to be what? Published. Now look at verse 22. For he sent letters in all the king's providence into every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language that every man should bear rule in his own house and that it should be published according to the language of every people. Now that's published. Not only has it been proclaimed, but what it, it's, it's written down, it's available in everybody's language so there's no questions about what the rule is. Growing up we had rules of the house. None of them were written down. So as we've learned to get older and figure that out, guess what we started doing? Debating whether there was really a rule or not. Because why? It wasn't written. Now, mom won. Don't get me wrong, okay? But we had that argument going. It's not written down. So you know what happened? Started being written down. Why? Because, you know, we were, you were, we were savages. We were, you know, just figured out how to beat the system. But that's the There's no question, what is it? It's written down. Come over to Psalms 68. Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Again, here we are, second coming Psalm. Prophetically, time-wise, it is exactly where we're at in Mark 13. If you look there at verse 11. The Lord gave the word... Great was the company of those that published it. In the 70th week, in the middle of that tribulation, in that working, in the first half, that little flock, they're getting the word out. They're not just talking about it, but they're printing it. They're putting it in a permanent form where the people can get it Think about it, look at it, argue about it. They are not just sitting around just word of mouth. They're, they're, he's talk, so when you come back to Mark 13, which is where we're at in Psalm 68, he's talking about a literally, they are. there is a written text. That's why verse 14 he says, let him that, uh, let him that readeth what? Under, read what they're reading the book that's why we'll get down over in jude and they talks about you got to know about the patience of job why they got job they've got the book what's that little flock doing they're publishing that book out there about the gospel of the kingdom and what needs to happen and they're in track form they're in book form they're in whatever means necessary they're publishing it verse 10 and the gospel must first be published among all nations. Not just preaching it, but they're putting it in a, in a form that doesn't go away. And you know what it's causing? It's causing trouble, it's causing persecution. It's not that people don't like it. Look back in verse 9. Look who's not happy with them. Not the people, okay, but who? The rulers, the leaders. The kings, the governors. So, literally, so what, they, what, what they're doing, they're doing this in such a way that it has co- come to the attention of the leaders, not only of the nation of Israel, but of the nations out there that they're out there working in, which is in that Mediterranean area. If you think about Revelation 2 and 3, those seven church areas, that's the area they're working in. And you know what they're doing? They've caused such an uproar that the governments now are involved. They have fully penetrated the culture with that gospel of the kingdom that it's just wreaking havoc. So in the tribulation leading into the 70th week and really the first half of the week, because verse 14 is the middle of the week, when we get to verse 14 next time, we'll see that literally their ministry changes in the midst of the week. Okay. Right now, they're out there getting and doing the best, and you know hemming and Hall, why? They're under a peace policy, they've got peace, and they're still taking it in the neck. And that's what's happening here. So it's one, th- again, it's one thing to just go out and preach on the streets and jacket people, and, and again, that's great, but these guys are doing, they are, <laughs> they're, they're Paul in Philippians 1, he says, I'm up in the Caesar's palace. I've infiltrated Caesar's palace. He's been chained to the Roman guard. I appealed to Caesar. And he's in the in Philippians 1 there. i uh, give you the verse. Philippians 1, um, verse 13. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Uh, if you come over to chapter 4, I believe it is as well. Chapter 4, yeah, verse 22. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. There's saints that are working in Caesar's household, see? Why? Because Paul's in bonds. What's Paul been doing? Hey, do you, where are you going to spend eternity? Christ died for your sin. I mean, he's just giving it to him. Could you imagine being that Roman soldier chained to him and that whole journey up there? How he not only heard... But he saw, because Paul was receiving people in and out and doing. So not only did the guy hear the gospel, but then he saw the grace life in action. I mean, just no, no wonder the guy was like, we can cut him loose and he won't go anywhere. They could trust him. Why? Because they, they see it. So anyway, go back to Mark 13. You see, these guys are not sitting on their hands going, oh, no, what's going to happen to us? There to be what? What are they doing? What's that servant doing? They're out, they got the printing presses rolling. And again, if you think about back then, they didn't have the technology we have. This is not going to be technology bound. Do you know why? Because it can be unplugged. It can be taken down. This is going to be black and white, paper, old-fashioned, here it is in your face. Have you guys seen over, uh, I, I've never been out of the country in that direction, um, where they post stuff on the walls of the buildings, and they do that paint and the, the, um, the glue, the mural, the glue, and they put up the signs and everything, okay, all over. That, that's what these guys are doing. They're papering the city, see, and then the government's coming behind, pulling it down, and they're right behind them, papering the city. What? So this isn't a technology thing, okay, and I'll be honest with you. That's the danger in this reset stuff is that they're eliminating the print to put you in the technology to cause you to then they can just go unplug you, and you don't have. So when, anyway, back to Mark 13. So they are having a real impact, and the things, <laughs> the, 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 that little flock in that 70th week, in that tribulation leading up to it, they're going to be extremely busy. And there's going to be serious consequences to their activity. The kings, the councils, the rulers, the synagogues, they're going to come and get them. And they're going to beat them. And they're going to make examples of them. And you know what they're going to do? What do they got? They got the overcomer information. They're just going to keep on plowing. And they're not going to give up. And they're going to endure to the end. Okay? Verse 11. So don't ever think that the little flock isn't busy during this time. They are extremely busy. But they're busy about doing what? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Okay? That's what they're busy about. They're not busy about stockpiling food in the cupboard. Now what do they know? They know the mark of the beast is coming. They know. But what else do they know? God said, Don't worry about that. I got you covered. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all those things, the physical stuff, will be taken care of. Don't worry about that. You just do this. This is your job. Occupy till I come. Here's your occupation. This is what you're to do. And that's why Mark isn't worried about when the 70th week starts. He's he's focusing in on what they're doing. What are they doing? They got the printing presses running. They're proclaiming it. They're preaching. They're outdoing. Verse 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up. So it's not smooth sailing. Even before the second half of the week. This is in the beginning of it. What 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 then is the little flock to do? They just got taken to jail. They just got pulled in front of the rulers and the kings, and they just got nailed. Okay? Second half of the week, they get beheaded and all that in the midst of the week, stuff, revelation there. But look at what they do. What are they to do? Take no thought beforehand when ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate. But whatsoever ye shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now look at that. Look at what they're going to do. The Spirit of God is going to give them what to say. So again, no premeditate. Don't think about it. Don't study. Now, wait a minute. What does Paul tell us? Study. Until I come give attendance to reading. These guys don't have to do that. What are we doing? We're over here crunching numbers, aren't we? Running verses, trying to figure stuff out. The, why? Because they've got it. <laughs> they, they, they've, they have that issue of that, in, in that divine empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Exodus, or Ezekiel 36, 27, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. That's what they've got going on here. Uh, come over to Acts 2. You, we see this. The wonderful thing about the early Acts, Acts 1 to 7, 1 to 8 there, is that they get a foretaste of this. Why? Because this is the next thing. Here's They don't anticipate Acts 9. They're looking at Acts 7. They're looking at Acts 8. Peter knows it's coming. John, James knows it's coming. John knows it's coming. It's time to go. Here we go. Philip goes in, he talks to the Samaritans, they're ready. I.e., I, Matthew 10, don't go to the Samaritans. And now the Samaria is ready. By the way, the reason they don't go to the Samaritans is because of what Jeroboam did with them. And he told them you don't, he pulled he, the ten tribes north, two tribes south. And Samaria refused to recognize Jerusalem as headquarters. Samaria did that. After the facts. So we don't go there. But guess what? Acts 8, they're ready. The Ethiopian, picture of the Gentile. They're ready. But Jerusalem is not. See, it's ready for what? It's ready for wrath. That's what they're waiting for. Acts 2, verse 4. So what do they get? We're getting into By the way, Acts is not something new. It's a continuation of. Acts 2, verse 4. And sudden, uh, and there were all filled with the Holy Ghost and be- began to speak with other tongues. Watch. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 8. Chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter spent many days studying out and getting ready to speak to the elders of Israel. No, not at all. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders. He, he, he how, how did he say it? The Spirit, what? Gave him utterance, that divine empowerment. Come on over to 1 John chapter 2. This is the one that everybody gets excited about. 1 John chapter 2. In Israel's program, this is how this worked. This don't work today. You don't get this. 2.20. 1 John 2, 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. You have an unction, empowering of the Spirit. But what? You know everything. What does Paul say? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly divided. You don't know it all, dude. you got to study. But these guys, they did what? They get it. Verse 27 but the anointing which ye have received of him. So unction and anointing, interchangeable there. So what is the unction? It's an anointing. It's it's an empowerment of the Spirit, see? Which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. They have the Holy Spirit, the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. It gives them what they're going to speak. Come back to Mark 13 so we keep on track. The Holy Spirit gives them what they're going to speak but yet he, he literally speaks through them. They don't need to study. They don't need to he tells them don't carry a book a purse nothing just go it'll be given to you you know them shoes don't even get you two coats just take one go it in why cuz it's what their program says Now, mark 13 again don't premeditate on it don't think about it it'll be given you. and you're gonna you know the old thing about uh, how, how do you preach I preach by the letter I just let her fly and there it goes that doesn't work today. By the way, you can tell those guys because it's not well prepared. <laughs> okay, it doesn't work that way today. Today, what you got? You got to get in, study, dig it up, peel back the onion, so forth, and off you go. Mark thir- thirteen, verse twelve. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death. The father, the son, the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. That's pretty. That's pretty right on. Now go back to Micah. Chapter 7. Now, again, that was in Matthew 10. So go back to the early day, early minis- part of the ministry. He's told them that. Mark's picking up on it. At the end, Lord, this is what's going to happen. But it's exactly what Micah 7 said is going to happen to him. Micah 7. I can't wait till we can get into the minor prophets. These guys are pretty cool. Micah, Micah 7, verse 5. Trust ye not in a friend, put ye no confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter in law against her mother in law, and man's enemies are the men of his own house. Now, in Micah, he's talking about the last days. That's exactly what's going to happen in the last days. It doesn't always happen this way, by the way. It's only in the times of trouble that this is the the picture. What's going to happen? Mark 13. They're going to be betrayed. But who's doing it? Their own house is doing it to them. Not just the neighbor. The neighbors will get them. But there you got daughter, father, son, mother. It's within their own, underneath their own roof. Mark 13. So, again, the little flock is busy before the Antichrist is revealed and after he's revealed. His revelation doesn't start or stop the preaching ministry of the little flock. It's going, okay? Now, I know verse 14 comes in, but that's middle of the week. That's not, him, that's not the beginning of the week. So here we are, prior to, again, if you shut the chart up, I would put this up on there, but it messes the camera up. They're coming out of that Acts ministry. They know what's next, the destruction of the city, all that stuff Daniel 9 tells them is coming, the rumors of the wars and rumors of war, desolations, famine, all that's coming. And what are they doing? They're busy chugging along, getting it out there, getting the word out. Then the Antichrist is revealed. You know what they're doing? They're getting it out. They're chugging along. And you know what they're doing? They're over there saying, don't you go up there to Jerusalem in that old temple worship. The book of Hebrews, don't go to the old. Let's go to the new. Let's get away from the old. Let's go to the better. Let's do it. And they're chugging along. That's what they're preaching. And then all of a sudden, the Antichrist comes in and pulls the old rug out from underneath the midst of the week. And then their ministry is going to change. We'll get into that next week because before you do that, you got verse 13. So the Antichrist revelation being revealed doesn't start or stop their preaching ministry. They are busy before the 70th week and into that first half of the 70th week. They're publishing, they're proclaiming, and that causes a tremendous backlash on them. Persecution. So much the neighbors are getting them, so much that their own family is turning them in for the bounty. Now look at verse 13. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. They're going to hate them. All, All men. The father, the son, the children, the moms, the sisters, all of them. And then he says, but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. Now, again, the issue here, the the little flock's out preaching, they're under persecution, they're being hated, and then he says, you endure to the end, you're going to be saved. And then this verse gets used by everybody to say you can lose your salvation. And he isn't talking about justification at all. Rather, he's talking about a physical salvation from a physical torment physically going into the kingdom. Because the the question then is, is the end of what? See, because of the way the verse reads, you've got to be careful about this bringing it into us today. Our eternal security is not based on you doing anything. Your justification wasn't based on you doing anything. Your eternal security isn't based on you. What's it based on? What he did. The Father sealed you with the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. It's what they're doing, not you. You have no. These guys have a role to play. So the end. Well, obviously, the end is not the end of their life. Okay? Because look at verse 7. But the end shall not be yet. Well, the end of what? The stuff in verse seven, eight, nine, and following verse twenty, and except that the Lord had shortened those days. Well, what days? See, so we're ta- the end here. Obviously, is the end of the seventieth week, not the end of life. Verse fourteen, the stuff that happens in the midst of the week, flee to the and so forth. So the timeline here. The time schedule is the end of the 70th week of Daniel. Say, then the salvation, he that endureth unto the end, again, the end of what? The 70th week, shall be saved. Obviously, it is not saved unto eternal life. It's a physical salvation. Well, how do you know? Look at verse 20 again. Except the Lord had shortened these days, know what? No flesh should be saved. See, there's not it's a physical salvation. In the context, it's physical days, it's physical flesh, it's physical torment. So the word saved just simply means to be rescued from harm. And then the, the, the Oxford Dictionary, I've got one. The Oxford English Dictionary. I got a big one and its little print, so it gets all in one volume. And literally under saved, it's like that long in small print. I mean, there's a lot of things in there. Why? It's just rescued from harm or danger. See? What are they going to be rescued from? Well, they're going to get rescued from all of this turmoil here and go where? Into the kingdom. That's what they've been promised. So there's a, it's a physical thing here. Now, also what helps you with that is verse 14. When he says, but when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by who? Daniel the prophet. So if Daniel speaks about this, let's go back to Daniel. And just notice what Daniel says. Go to Daniel 11. Daniel chapter 11. Okay? So Daniel 11. Daniel 11, he's talking about the career of the Antichrist. Uh, if you look at verse 31, well, verse uh, 21, and in his estate shall stand up a vile person uh, to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he sh- shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. There's the politician, verse 31, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolation. That, there's what he's doing, Mark 13, 14, Matthew 24, 15. That's what he's doing. He's right there. So time-wise, where are we? The midst of that 70th week. Look at verse 35. And some of them of understanding shall fall. All right, who is that? Little flock. Some of those that believe are going to what? They're going to fall. To try them and to purge and to make them white even to the time of the end. Because it is yet for a time appointed. The time of what? Well, verse 33. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet they shall fall by the sword and by the flame and by captivity and by spoil many days. Verse 35, and some of them of understanding shall fall, even to the time of the end. The end of the what? Well, what's the Antichrist going for? The 70th week. See, that's the timing that we're in here. We're not in today. We're not working about today. We're looking at the future, that future event. Daniel says, the Antichrist, he's focused on right there, the end of, of it all. Okay, Come back to Mark 13. So when they, when they use this verse, he that endureth to the end shall be saved, the end of what? The 70th week of Daniel. Salvation in what sense? Physical salvation into the kingdom. Out of all of that turmoil that is there. In Mark 13, 9 to 13 here, actually really 6 to 13, the little flock is going to be busy doing. They're going to be busy serving, working, publishing, promoting, preaching, proclaiming, getting the gospel of the kingdom out there. And they're going to be busy during the tribulation time that leads up to the 70th week, that first half of the week. And there's a seduction pro- pro- program that's going to come up against that busyness to design to draw them away. And what it's going to do is it's literally going to draw away apostate Israel and expose the little flock. So don't miss that. That's what the Lord's doing here. That's what Mark is doing. Again, Matthew 24, 25, the dispensational settings, more details, Luke and so forth. But Mark is like, guys, this is what the servant is going to be doing. And as they do, they're going to be persecuted for it. And as they're doing that, they're not stopping. They're not taking a break. They're not saying time out. I mean, I think about the dad So he's got a wife and kids, and there's no food in the cupboard to eat. The temptation for the dad to do what? Go over there and negotiate. Don't do that. We'll be okay. We'll we'll have sock soup again. It's okay. We'll work through it. Rock soup, whatever. (laughs) Okay? We'll get down through that. As they do... And that persecute. just don't miss the serving. That's really what what I'm trying, because in verse 14 now, But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, and let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. Now there's going to be a real change in their ministry in that middle of the week, midst of the week time frame. And it's going to be important to get a handle here on what's happening with them ministry-wise. Again, servants, what are we doing? What are they going to do? They're, They're going to flee. Okay? It doesn't say preach more fervently. It says what? Flee. See? They've been preaching and doing and doing. Now what do they got to do? Now they're going to flee. And there's some specific things here that they're going to have to go do because the abomination is in the holy place now. And they're going to get on, get going. And again, this is a point, a critical point, where things change in the ministry of the little flock. The hour's up, so we'll pick up there, okay, next time. But just catch what... Mark is doing, Mark goes in, reaches into Matthew 10, this stuff's not in Matthew 24 and 25, it's not in Luke 21, he comes in, he pitches it, picks it and says, this is what's going to come your way, and when you're doing it, you know what you're going to be doing, you're going to be busy, and when you're busy, you know what you don't do, you don't worry about what you don't got, (laughs) what you don't have, what you're lacking, you're busy, you're moving, and you're going forward, and that's what they're going to do. Again, we'll pick up in verse 14 next time and uh, wade, wade down through some of that because it's, in, it's really important to understand what's going on in the book of Daniel because he brings Daniel up in that timeline, and, and we'll see all that, okay? All right. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the insight here into what the little flock will be doing during this time of the end for them. We can just rejoice in it that they will do because because of their faith in the word that you gave them of what you will do for them. In your name we pray. Amen.